Hello and welcome to We Read This Last Night, a show where we talk about stuff that we only have surface level knowledge on, but we essentially just read about it last night. And this week, we're going to do a very generic podcasty sellout thing and talk about cults. Would you ever want to join a cult? Yes. Uh, can you elaborate on that? No. Okay. Anyway, uh, the definition of a cult is that it's a group of people that hold very weird and unnatural religious or philosophical etc. beliefs. And that's a very loose definition, honestly. But the word cult is mostly used in an insulting way. But then again, see, I know cults are horrible things and horrible things happen because of cults. But I can't help but feel like people are a bit biased towards them. Like, this is how I imagine it, okay? When a man and a woman really like each other, and the man nuts inside the woman, the sperms that make it to the egg are religion. And the rest that... What happens to sperms that they don't make it? They die or something? That's very weird. But yeah, the sperms that die are cults. What in the actual fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> I don't know. It's just that religions are cults that make it, okay? Like, they're cults that are legitimate now because they have a big enough fan following. I mean, technically, yeah. The analogy is weak, but you get what I mean, right? Yeah, but that also makes a lot of sense if you look into the derogatory usage of the word cult because, yeah, people do kill each other in the name of religion. Yeah, I mean, the definition of a cult is a very broad one, but there are also different types of cults. Would you want to elaborate on that? Yeah, so there are essentially six kinds of cults. Uh, the first one is destructive, in which, uh, like, these are probably the ones that people associate the word cult with the most. They're cults in which members physically injure or kill their own members or members of other cults. Fun. Uh, yeah. The second kind is uh, doomsday cults, which are basically apocalyptic. And, um, like, they believe in millenarianism. <laughs> What is I'm that? pretty sure I butchered that, but it's basically the idea that um, everything is going to change after a certain event. Like, it could be the turn <laughs> of a millennium, or it could be like... That's such a vague thing to say. Are you saying that things change over time? Is that what you're saying? Because no, no, no like the, something changes drastically after one specific event. What? Yeah, event causation change, it's forward. that's so stupid. <laughs> I don't know, the idea is stupid, but yes, some people believe in that. Like, okay, just an example. Um, followers of a certain political party believe that in 2014, we would suddenly go from Buridin to Achyadin, right? <laughs> that's millennialism. Okay, I understand perfectly now. Yeah. And um, the next kind of cult is also related to the same party. It is political cults. Right, it's, obviously. It's basically people who are obsessed with a specific political idea. Uh-huh. Um, then you just have your usual polygamist cults, racist cults, terrorist My favorites. Cults, you know? Yeah. Just the normal kind, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, enough with the theory. Let's talk about the interesting part, like specific cults. So one of the earliest and the most famous of cults probably 
were the Manson family. So yeah. it it started with this dude called Charles Manson, this young, pretty, charming, attractive guy with a very tragic backstory. Like he was born to this like single teenage mother. She was very young, like sixteen. And there's this very fucked up story actually. Like one day, this it's debatable whether it's true or not. But basically, his mom goes with baby Charles to a bar, and the bartender she's like, "Oh, what a cute baby." And she's like, "Oh, you like my kid? How about I trade my kid for a pitcher of beer?" And she just kept Charles Manson over there at the beer counter, and she grabbed her beer and walked away. And she just went home, leaving him there until like uh, his uncle found him like a couple of days later. And the the weirdest fucking part is that the bartender just kept him. Yeah, like she didn't even try to stop her. Like she just allowed her to keep this like random ass baby on the counter and just walk away. It's pretty weird, but. Yeah. Anyway, that happened, and then he was in prison for like, like almost three quarters of his life. I don't know, but he was like inside prison for a long time. It was more natural to him than the outside world. Like but, three quarters of his life pre the uh, murder tendencies, or like uh, no, no, in his entire after. lifetime. But even yeah, before he started, you know. Going around spouting doomsday rhetoric and killing people, he he had still been in jail for a pretty long time. Yeah, uh, Charles Manson, like the Manson family alone, covers three kinds of cults: it's destructive, it's doomsday, and it's racist. Yeah, my man Charles was multi-talented, but anyway, you know, like with him starts this whole. Uh, stereotype of a cult leader you know being pretty attractive and pretty charismatic and you can't deny that he was that like he knew how to get his way with people so yeah, immediately definitely. when he got out of prison as in uh you know in his 20s uh he was pretty talented first of all like with the guitar and stuff like he was a pretty good musician you can <laughs> the most fucked up part about is this is that you can actually like if you go to spotify right now and search charles manson you can listen to his shit on spotify right now I mean, if someone is listening to this podcast, they're probably already on Spotify. So, yeah, just go ahead and listen to a literal serial killer's music. But no, it's not like anything you'd imagine. Like you would imagine this like very gruff and you know, like just unhinged, crazy voice. But Hate he actually had a pretty smooth voice. You'd expect something like Hilda Skelter. Pretty much, yeah. But no, he has he has a pleasant enough voice, and he could have actually made it in. in the music industry if he didn't turn out to be a fucking weirdo but that's a different story but anyway actually, he did the... actually it's that he got exposed for being a fucking weirdo because there are a lot of fucking weirdos in the music industry that's true yeah, yeah. So, yeah that that is equally true but anyway other instances which proved how uh, effective he was so he was living with a bunch of women actually like he would just lure those, these women and they would come and they would just live with him which is like the weirdest thing ever but other than that like he was completely unhinged like he had this like you know in the 60s they had those huge hippie vans right like covered with like flowers and stuff yeah 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 Make love, not war. yeah he had that thing and one day he was preaching to like a group of people about how it's you know not very cool to be materialistic and stuff and this guy comes up and he's like hey charlie you're talking all the stuff But you have such a cool ass hippie van right there, and he's like, "Oh, you like the hippie van?" And he's like, "Yes." And he threw the keys at him, and he's like, "Take the hippie van. It's yours now." And he's like, "What?" And he, he's like, "Yeah, it's yours." And he just took the van and went away. Like that's how less of a fuck Charles Manson gave. And this other time, 
uh he wanted to like there was a school motorcycle gang leader guy and he wanted to be buddies with him so he's like hey i want to be friends with you and he's like why the fuck would i want to be friends with a weirdo like you and he's like oh you know you can come to my house and you can have sex with all my women <laughs> like he just offered that like you know how borat is like you come my house you use my sister like like that he pretty much did that with her yeah that's like the fucked up equivalent of like me in third grade going around to people saying i'll let you use my sanitizer if you if you'll be my friend that's 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 100% not the same but yeah whatever and then after this motorcycle guy had sex with them he's like oh you know the women really love you because you have a really huge dick and that's why they're still staying with me and he pretty much made this guy believe that it was because of his well endowed person and he felt like really humbled and he was buddies with Charles after that which is like i mean questionable morality but it's it's a pretty nice way to make friends yeah and so um charles manson he gets out of prison in like 1967 and he gets this house uh in san francisco i think in 1968 and like he lived there with his quote unquote family which was basically just his cult and they were obsessed with the doomsday idea and uh, this guy one of the beach boys was with them yeah 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 uh there was this member of the beach boys like that's so weird because the beach boys were like one of the biggest bands at the time like after the beatles and this one dude from the beach boys called, called Dennis Wilson like he encountered Charles Manson once like late at night or something and he thought Manson was going to hurt him and he's like hey are you going to hurt me and then Manson just got down and started kissing his feet which is a very bizarre story but after that they became buddies and then um uh, like Dennis Wilson the beach boys guy he allowed the Ben Shapiro prototype <laughs> <laughs> yeah and it's absolutely insane because this guy Dennis Wilson member of the beach boys one of the biggest bands in his world like he allowed this literal serial killer's entire family to live at his house and like all these women lived with him and apparently they spent hundreds of thousands of dollars of his money trying to treat their stds like gonorrhea they had the gonococca cockers and <laughs> they also apparently wrecked his car which had no insurance so he had to pay for that as well I mean he was a fucking beast boy. Yeah, he was, but then eventually he's like no this is bullshit and then he left. But then like this incident plagued him for the rest of his life. And even he like that guy died in a very weird way like he drowned or something in the 90s. I don't know, just weird shit happened to him after that. Yeah, so <laughs> coming back to the um house thing. So uh these guys move into a house in 1968 in november and november is when uh the white album by the beatles came out 22nd of november 1968 and so it has this really hard rock song called helter skelter and um the lyrics are the lyrics are literally about going down a slide that's it there's nothing profound to it but um in some messed up way charles manson assumed that the lyrics pointed to the coming of a racial war and so he decided that he had to start a racial war between uh, the whites and the blacks and so he decided that in february he would record an album with even more 
hidden messages than helter skelter this is the funniest thing ever and also one of the biggest over exaggerations in history ever like imagine listening to a song that is literally about an amusement park ride and going oh yeah all the blacks are going to kill all the whites and it was so weird because he thought the blacks would like win against the whites and then eventually the war is over the dust settles and charles manson would come walking out of his like underground ranch or whatever with his family and he would now rule all the blacks <laughs> okay bro sure yeah uh, and then all the murder started uh-huh yeah so basically uh, the manson family murders it's not just a single occurrence there're like three four different like sets of murders so that's one but yeah firstly uh, he like charles manson himself they went to some musician guys apartment some some student musician person i don't know they basically wanted to extort money from him but he didn't give them any so then charles manson naturally just mutilated his ear off and like they tortured the shit out of him and killed him and they wrote like they wrote stuff with his blood on the walls like helter skelter and pigs and stuff like that which were all like white album references and that yeah. happened and then uh, there was this other music producer guy that he wanted to kill as well so he went to their house but guess who was renting the music producer's house uh margot robbie yeah the person margot robbie plays in the movie but who was actually renting the house sharon tate yeah sharon tate and her husband uh, his, her husband was a director they were renting the music producer guy's house and sharon tate was home with like five of her friends i think and uh, slight side note she was like eight and a half months pregnant which is double kill very very pregnant and so these people just show up and they kill everyone and they write peg on uh, sharon tate's stomach i think which is like oh <laughs> that yeah you know what the weirdest thing about this is though what so sharon tate's husband the director guy he wasn't present in uh like yeah he was the house he was the off time. filming somewhere yeah that's that but the the biggest coincidence is that uh, like her husband was roman polanski the director and his biggest movie till date was called rosemary's baby which is about an evil fetus fetus deletus <laughs> <laughs> yeah i i guess so yeah and then this happens and they they're really really happy and they're like uh, this really successful director is going to make a movie about this but then they go home and then charles manson is like no it isn't good enough come with me let's go for a drive and so the next day they go for a drive i mean sure and- what the fuck if i was a director say and my wife my wife who is almost going to give birth gets murdered would i really make a movie about it like to glorify the perpetrators even more that's just stupid i was talking about quentin tarantino oh <laughs> Yeah, never mind then, true her. Yeah, and so the next day he's like, "Let me show you how it's done." And so they go for a ride. And uh, on the ride, he considered numerous murders and even attempted one, but it didn't work out, I guess. And then they're like, "Wait, why are we looking so much? There's this guy who owns a supermarket and his wife's a hairdresser. Let's just go fucking murder them." Mhm. and so they break into their house uh, the the guy who owns the supermarket was like sleeping on the couch or something and so here's the best part about this 
Charles Manson ties his hands using a leather thong. It's <laughs> it's pretty kinky. I don't know what to say. Yeah, and then they take him to the bedroom where his wife already was and they use these lamp cords to tie pillowcases around their head and Charles Manson walks out and he's like this is how you kill them go kill them and then the other people killed them he didn't kill anyone himself they impaled them with fucking bayonets and they wrote like war on the dude's stomach and they shoved a steak knife into his throat and yeah a lot of other stuff the most messed up part though was that charles manson promised them he's like i, I promise i'm not going to hurt you and yeah you know what he did after that i mean technically he did not hurt them I mean he and oh fuck yeah fuck <laughs> yeah and also to anyone listening to this trigger warning <laughs> <laughs> too late but yeah <laughs> yeah but it gets worse like the other cards get worse and yeah it gets infinitely worse but anyway like also the other fucked up part is that the police took like months to solve this okay like they had no idea what was going on they didn't even know the two like the the charantate murders and the uh, gro- like this grocery store marwari persons murders were connected and yeah. uh you know what they originally arrested charles manson for cross dressing i hope no they arrested him for car theft they like are ye to gaadi chori kar raha hai and then investigated a bit into it and they like oh fuck no this guy actually killed like 10 people or something and then like the, the evidence comes crashing down and then they took them for trial and like the trial was like very it was like dubbed the trial of the century or something i don't know it was pretty I publicized think, i think the trial of the century happens like three times every decade yeah i mean obviously it's called trial of the century but yeah it's not but anyway the trial is pretty interesting as well because but like yeah, charles manson or uh, ted bundy like one of these two could be the trial of the century or like the chicago 7 or something like that probably i think charles manson's was longer though but i don't know like who knows both of them suck but anyway he walks in with like an x stitched on his forehead because he's like i've x from this like from all of you like i'm yeah, just out of you yeah. that's he the funniest to, thing ever he used to etch it on his forehead every single day and like before long it transformed into a swastika tattoo on like his like between his eyebrows damn okay yeah he was a hardcore guy yeah and the the other funny thing about the trial is that uh like nixon said something about charles manson like he said something like negative about him and it came in the newspaper and so the trial was going on and charles manson he shows the newspaper he's like this is what nixon said about me and he said now think about all the thousands of people that died in vietnam because of nixon Or do you really think Nixon has the right to say something about me, like me being a murderer, and like not not sympathizing with a literal serial killer? But he has kind of a point there. Yeah, I mean, it's a hypocritical move, but like, it doesn't. I mean, Nixon was right, and Charles Manson is right, and Nixon is a hypocrite, but then both of them are murderers. Yeah, this is just bad for both of them. Fuck both of them. Yeah. But anyway, like uh it's also noteworthy because like people say Charles Manson is a serial killer, but he didn't actually kill anyone. 
I mean, he obviously, like, definitely 100% influenced it, but he didn't directly kill anyone. But he was still awarded the death penalty anyhow, because, you know, he was the mastermind behind it. But then guess what? Like, the state of California, they abolished the death penalty. So none of them actually get executed. And then he spent, like, life in jail for, like, a long time until he died. He died very he recently, died, like, four yeah, years he ago. He died in, like, 2017, I think. Yeah, yeah, pretty recently. And yeah, he just didn't care. Like, the most chilling thing about Charles Manson, like, even more so than his actual murder spree, is that he showed no remorse whatsoever for his actions. Like, he still didn't admit that he'd done something wrong. Like, he didn't, he didn't give a single fuck. And he didn't believe that he was imprisoned either, right? He was like, as long as I have my mind, you can't really imprison me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That as yeah. well. But anyway, definitely one of the most, like, weirdest for sure, but, like, intriguing people of the past century. Yeah, and that's a big deal because there have been many intriguing people in the past century. Chronologically speaking, I think the next card that we should talk about is Jonestown. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Jonestown or the People's Temple, arguably the most fucked up and most destructive one in this list, which is saying a lot. So Jonestown was basically started by this guy called Jim Jones. Again, another like young charismatic dude. And it's funny though, because like uh, there are accounts of people who went with him to school and they were like, he was just this weird ass dude with no friends. That's literally how they describe him. The interesting thing about Jim Jones is that he was a racial integrationist. Like he was completely anti-racist. He believed that, I mean, this was during the height of the uh, civil rights thing. And he believed that whites and blacks should like mix freely and stuff. And he was a hardcore socialist. Like he was, he was a hardcore Christian socialist, which is a very weird combination of things. But yeah, so either way, he wanted to start his like cult thing. So he did it and, uh, you know, the number one place people who start cults go to in California. But then they were like, the US government started fucking with him. Yeah, so he left the States and went to this place called Guyana, which is somewhere in South America, who knows. But anyway, he wanted this like complete communist utopia thing because he believed that that was the only form of living in, in true accordance with the Bible. So they shifted there and things went like pretty good for a while until like Jim Jones became a complete fucking lunatic. Like instead of like the, you know, heaven on earth they had been promised, they were instead forced to work like fucking 12, 13 hours a day. And these guys would work the entire day. And then at night at nighttime, this Jim Jones guy would come out and start like spouting communist propaganda and like USSR stuff all over them. Which is just, like, sad, but it's also the funniest shit ever. Like, imagine going to South America thinking you're finally going to live the communist dream, but then this random vacuo just makes you slave away for 12 hours a day and then uh, shoots communist propaganda at you at night. Yeah, that's the most uh, capitalist thing I can think of. So anyway, all of this happened, and day-by-day conditions started becoming worse and worse at Jonestown. And they reached a peak when, uh, like, this is when all this shit actually went down. Yeah, there was this US congressman guy, and he came to investigate. Not to, like, investigate, actually, he he just thought it was cool. So he wanted to go have a look at this cult. But then Jim Jones 
like uski gaunt fat gayi he's like why is this congressman guy coming over here and then he came and they're like hey welcome congressman look at this we're all having fun we're living the dream and they all ha- like they all had to pretend that they were living the dream with like jim jones standing behind them with like a literal gun and the congressman was impressed and nothing nothing happened like he was just going to go back and be like yeah they're having fun or whatever but then jim jones being the complete wacko paranoid guy that he is he's like no he's going to go back and he's going to ruin everything so you have to kill him so he sent like as soon as this guy like uh the congressman guy was boarding his plane like a lot of people wanted to like escape jonestown by then because obviously they were being treated like shit but it was really difficult because like jonestown like jonestown's basically a city right it's a city in guyana but it's like in the middle of nowhere it's like in the middle of this forest so they can't run anywhere and it has like armed guards and shit so it's pretty hard to escape but anyway a couple of people were like defecting and they were running with the congressman guy but then like jim jones just sends his guards after them and they shoot them down and they shoot the congressman down and all hell breaks loose and now he's saying nothing can be done like we killed a literal and yeah if there's one thing you might have learned throughout history it's never to fuck with a citizen of the us not to mention a literal member of the house of representatives especially so anyway if you're in south america especially if you're in fucking south america so yeah he gets like he reaches like ultimate paranoid point and he's like you know what we need to do now we need to all go ahead and kill ourselves and the weirdest part is they actually practiced for this before like it was called the white ritual white revolution something like that where they would basically practice a mass suicide i don't know fucking weird but yeah that night they made like a, a huge batch of kool-aid which is basically like angrezi rasna Yeah, like yeah. actually it's not in Kool-Aid it was some other cheap like form of Kool-Aid like some rip off Kool-Aid but yeah, people just South American Kool-Aid South American Kool-Aid but people just associated it with that because it's easier so anyway mm-hmm. he made a huge batch of this and he's like hey let's all drink up and you know kill ourselves but perhaps the most bizarre thing is that there is an actual audio recording of this on YouTube like trigger warning if you're going to listen to it it's very fucked up but it's basically 45 minutes like the is the taping of like the entire process of these people killing themselves and yeah it basically starts with like this bastard jim jones i mean it's it's pretty tragic but i i couldn't help but notice this one thing like <laughs> jim jones totla hai <laughs> yeah that's the only thing i could think about throughout it like he's like if we <laughs> if we can't live in peace then we must die in peace <laughs> literally toxic <laughs> it's the funniest shit ever but yeah it's basically him saying that you know you've lived your life and stuff and uh all of that and now you need to just like kill yourselves and this one everyone is cheering and stuff but this one chad woman she's like i disagree because as long as there is life there is hope and you know who said these exact words uh barack obama sorry <laughs> no jim jones that in the previous sermon she basically like said his words right back at him But yeah, he just like not, completely not ignored her. Ballsy. Yeah, yeah, it's super ballsy. But anyway, he gives this long ass speech, and these other people come in support of him. And this one guy is like, "Hey, I would rather see my children die right here than grow up and become dummies of capitalist pigs, America." And everyone's cheering. And this one woman is like, "We don't need to cry. Like, even though the kids are literally crying because it's painful as fuck, and they're literally getting poisoned to death." But she's got something to cry about. We're we're going to the afterlife, some bullshit like that. It's very fucked up. 
the scary part is like like people take it right and then you have people dying in front of you and you have people still taking it and you have mothers force feeding it to their kids yeah mothers are literally dying along with their children and like it's so fucked up like the first person dies and then jim jones is like at last and like everyone is cheering just everyone's wild over there i don't know it's just i can't describe it in words but like listening to that tape is one of the weirdest experiences of my life and this incident like the entire jonestown thing it is definitely one of the creepiest things to ever have happened because no one knows what happened no one knows if they were forcefully i mean obviously some of it was caused because you, we know that some people at jonestown were forcefully injected but you know a part of them were they wouldn't cheer if they were if they were being forced you know so, like at least more than half of them did it willingly out of you know like they did it voluntarily and that's yeah. very fucked up and like as you said it wasn't actually kool-aid but like taking cyanide in the form of kool-aid has become like such an integral part of pop culture and you know how you know that something is an integral part of pop culture when led zeppelin sings about it no when you see it in riverdale i uh, okay <laughs> No offense but if you do watch Riverdale you need to consume cyanide at the earliest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, what more can I say about the tape? It's just uh this like if you if you want to get to the interesting part it's around the 30 minute mark when the kid starts screaming and all of that happens. What the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> like yeah this one it it's like this one woman is like don't cry and like immediately a kid is howling in pain. and um yeah i one of the one of the most heartbreaking parts is when jim jones's wife herself like she was some nursery teacher or something and she suddenly sees all these kids dying and she suddenly gets very disillusioned with the whole mass suicide thing and she's like no 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 stop this and then he himself has to like restrain her and then she voluntarily takes the poison and gives up and again this people saying that you know it's okay you'll be reincarnated and then like i by the end of it jim jones is just completely lost it he's like hurry up hurry up let's just do this now like let's get it over with and then like i know like everything i've talked about by now is creepy but the creepiest part is by the end because by the end everyone has died and it's just complete silence for the last two minutes and it's it's bizarre yeah that's probably until the tape ran out Yeah and then Jim Jones that fucking coward he was like I'm going to die with all of you but he basically watched all these people die and then he didn't even have the nerve to do it like there are people who say that his nurse killed him because he was such a pussy he couldn't even kill himself fuck Jim Jones he's just like some of these cult people are cool but like Jim Jones I have no tolerance for him whatsoever he's an absolute piece of shit yeah agreed yeah and another fun fact about Jonestown it's absolutely mind blowing did you know that it's It's the single highest loss of American life before 9/11. How many people were killed? 900 people voluntarily poisoning themselves to death, mostly voluntarily. And the saddest part, a like a third of them were children. Holy fuck. And there's a few people, there's very few survivors who escaped Jonestown. But like even those who dead like either their kids or like there's some other relatives who dead so they're like completely scarred for life now thanks Jim Jones That's that's so fucked that I don't even know what to say that's Th- this got pretty intense pretty fast 
Yeah. Anyways, <laughs> I think the next cult that we want to talk about is uh, the one with Osho. Yeah. Uh, so basically, this guy Rajneesh Osho. Um, he, yeah, he's like the stereotypical cult leader as well. Like the modern cult leader, not the um, crazy Charles Manson-esque Yeah, the cool leader. new wave sex guy. Yeah, and like the calm, collected cult leader. Uh-huh. So basically his thing was free love. And he was pretty chill, honestly. Osho was fine. Osho didn't do anything. But then he had this Bangalan with him. And that's always a bad idea. Her name was <laughs> Sheila. Uh-huh. And uh, she was basically... She... <laughs> she was such a she is such a fucking weirdo like Osho was like chill practice free love uh, and like a couple of years in he was like uh, I'm done talking I'm, I'm not gonna talk anymore you guys just practice free love Hare Krishna whatever yeah and he just gave up on speaking itself Yeah. he's like I'm he just took, gonna drive around in my Rolls Royce I don't care anymore yeah he took a vow of silence and then Sheila was like, my time has come. And then she was like, guys, let's let's do something cool. And so uh, these people had set up their entire cult in uh, America, right? And so yeah. the people in the town that they were in were already frustrated because like... Also, that is pretty ballsy cult. as well. Like, they were in Pune before that, like... Osho became pretty famous because he was pretty poor and stuff, but then he did a philosophy degree. I think Osho is the only guy in history who actually did something noteworthy after getting a philosophy degree. But anyway, he traveled around India and he said a lot of controversy. He didn't believe in like religion and stuff, like organized religion. He's like, yeah, just like, musty karo and have sex. And they were like, what the fuck is this guy talking about? And then he got a pretty big fan following in like Pune. But then the weirdest part is moving an entire congregation of like a couple thousand people like and directly transferring them on American soil. Like that's one of the coolest things I've ever done. Yeah, but I would do anything I could to get out of Pune too, so. <laughs> His ashram is still there. One of the major reasons I want to shift to Pune after 12. Yeah, so the people in the town that they were in were already like pretty pissed because there was a literal cult in their uh, town. And uh, then these people were like, we have like, we have a lot of members, let's do something cool. Let's run for an election. And so they ran in the elections of the uh, neighboring town. And then the people in their town got pissed. They were like, how can you just run for elections? And then Sheila, this fucking Bangalan, goes, let's poison the townspeople. <laughs> yeah, so, it was the first case of like bio-warfare ever recorded. Yeah, so they poisoned the uh, townspeople and no one died. But like 700 people were poisoned. They didn't die. What did they get? Like a bad tummy ache or something? Probably like explosive diarrhea or something like that. Okay, it's attempted murder, but like, okay, fair enough. Yeah, and then Sheila just ran off to Switzerland, and then she did time there anyway. So I no, but the other big thing she tried to do was kill the assistant U.S. Attorney General, which is like a bigger thing. No big deal. Either of you could be considered, but yeah, it's like killing the congressman guy. Like, don't fuck with American diplomats, otherwise you're done for. 
But anyway, uh, the funniest part is Sheila runs away. And then no one knows what happened, right? And then suddenly, like, Osho is like, I'm going to speak now. And he's like, call me a press conference. And they do. And at the press conference, he comes and he's like, you know what? That Bengal and Sheila, she tried to poison 700 people. And she attempted murder of the US Attorney General. And they're like, what? And he's like, yeah, trust me, bro. It, it actually happened. And he just, like, snitched on his own, like, I don't know, that's the coolest thing ever. He didn't even snatch, but he's just like, yeah, they did it. Like, I'm I'm going to admit to it and do whatever you want to with that information. Osha is the first person to regret having a Bangali ego. <laughs> but yeah, anyway, Osho said this, but they still had to, like, you know, take him on trial because after all, Uska, he called her. And then mm-hmm. they didn't do much. They were just like, okay, we're not going to put him in jail. But you have to get the fuck out of America because of obvious reasons. So he's like, sure. And then this dude, he goes to like 20 different countries and all of them reject him. Like he goes to Ireland, they're like, nah, he don't come here. He goes to like Uruguay or some some weird South American country. And then finally, guess where he comes back to? Uh, Pune. Yeah, right back to Pune. And then, I don't know, he chills there for a while. And then he like died in the 90s. No one knows how he died. Like... His followers are just like, he got like tired of living. So he's, he's just like fucked off from the world. But others you... are like, the US secretly poisoned him or whatever. There's different theories. Even his even his gravestone is so pretentious. His gravestone is like, never born, never died. Only visited this world between dash to dash. Isn't that every 8th creator's like Instagram caption? <laughs> But yeah, again, with the whole like charismatic appeal of cult leaders thing, I think it really applies to Osho because like I watched this one video of him, like uh, it was literally like half an hour of him just talking about sex, like the act of sex and like how uh, sacred it was. And, uh, you is, know, it was Osho like a form of who, worship. Who used fuck like 300 times in one minute. What? Yeah, there's this video I saw in fourth grade in which Osha says fuck like so many times he describes the different uses of fuck. What? It's the funniest thing ever. I mean, I'm not surprised it does sound like something he would do. He's like, it, it can be used as a noun. <laughs> uh, whatever, like, she is a good fuck. It can be used as a verb. She fucked her. It can be used as an adjective. She is a good... <laughs> Just amazing. Yeah, and even with like this video that I watched, it was so weird because I literally just watched an entire half an hour video about this Buddha guy talking about banging and I didn't get bored like a single second. And you know, everyone says this, right? But it's actually true. He never stammers. He never misses a word, like ever. I've never seen him do it. Yeah, and... but he, he also has kind of a lisp. Not not a lisp, but like a speech impediment. It's like a like hiss his, more than his a lisp. S, his S sounds weird. Yeah, there's this enchanting way in which he talks, which almost puts you in a trance-like state. And he himself talks like he's in a trance-like state. And his like speech inflections and stuff, yeah, he has kind of a hiss. So he'd be like, let's talk about sex. And he will like drag that last like s for a long time it's a pretty cool way of talking it's pretty yeah it's 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 fun listening to him and i can see how he had such an influence upon a bunch of people yeah that's the thing with most cult leaders you can kind of tell how they've had an influence over so many people but there's one 
guy who can be considered a cult leader who I will never understand how he got to the position where he was and that's Ram Rahim <laughs> Gurmeet Ram Rahim Singh Insan Ji Average foreskin enjoyer Yeah um, we won't be spending too much time on him but basically um, he takes all the check boxes of a cult leader he was disgustingly rich he had an immense following he castrated people he was a sexual assaulter and he was hairy fun even with like uh, osho like i was watching wild wild west like the docu docu series about him it's pretty famous and even that that like man and sheila she is the bengali girl she's like uh they called him bhagwan right in the beginning she's like when i saw bhagwan for the first time and he came in with his beautiful chest hair <laughs> it's the funniest thing ever that's pretty much every woman in the 90s with anil kapoor <laughs> but yeah go on about uh, gurmeet ram rahim singh and sanjay there's nothing more to it like uh, the the best thing about him was that he was arrested for rape on my birthday and so it was declared a holiday because they were afraid that people would riot because uttar pradesh <laughs> uttar pradesh man such a weird place yeah um yeah that's that's pretty much all there is to know about ram rahim like he's a director he's a producer he's a writer he's an engineer <laughs> he does everything himself he's made like two movies it's just amazing yeah he's like indian harvey weinstein but he also has a cult are there any more cults you want to talk about yeah the last cult we're going to talk about kind of hits close to home because one of our friends is involved <laughs> represent yeah so there's this cult called shri ramchandra mission <laughs> and um, so this friend um, her family has been involved in it for like three generations from maternal side of the family and um it's it's fucking weird like they have their they have their ashrams and stuff and it's like yoga kind of thing but okay. uh, but also they sell disgustingly expensive books and their leader is called master and the master is a, like a god like figure even though he's mortal and so um this friend she told me and it's it's honestly kind of chilling because like she told me that like if she stubs her toe or something a normal person might think oh fuck right right a religious person might think oh god she thinks master oh master yeah stubs toe yeah. oh master yeah <laughs> like if anything happens we think oh my god right and she goes oh my master <laughs> what a weird sadist kind of thing it would be to make your followers call you master like yeah just ask them to call you daddy or something at this point yeah I- imagine stubbing your toe and going oh daddy <laughs> i mean bold of you to assume i don't <laughs> yeah but anyways that's basically it like you call the guy master you have pictures of him all over your house and stuff uh he sells books which you have to buy and like donations and shit and yeah it's a cult and like it's like her maternal side of the family is involved in it right and like 
her dad is obviously not from from like her maternal side of the family because oh, that she must isn't be awkward because she isn't a british monarch <laughs> but um her dad is involved with the cult now oh no like he doesn't worship he doesn't follow hinduism anymore he worships the master the master but and there's one it's, thing it's a and... big deal it's a big deal to like rob uh an indian man in his 20s off of his uh surface team and have him call someone master <laughs> they don't do that no but there's one thing i want to say i'm not going to elaborate on this but babies who are born into cults have personality that's that's all i want to say agreed so i think that's pretty much all we had to talk about in this episode in conclusion don't fuck with the us diplomat don't accept cool aid from a fucking weirdo and don't fall for a bengali girl thank you for listening and we'll be back again next week